Important Audit Tuesday topic today. Microsoft recently released that their email system was compromised. They also reported that key accounts were hacked, which led to compromised OAuth tokens and access to the corporate email system. To help us explore this event, we have cybersecurity and digital forensic expert Greg Kutzbach to help with this conversation. Hi, Greg. Hi. Always happy to be here. Thank you for coming. So we also have Garrett, UATS CEO, to talk about identity. And Kashif, our Director of Deployment, will do a demo on after-the-breach identity investigations with UATest. Hi, Ashley. All right. Good morning, everyone. So first, Greg, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what a digital forensic expert does? Uh, sure. So um, I'm owner of Exhibit A Cyber out of uh, Orange County, California. Um, cybersecurity, digital forensics firm, um, and digital forensics, also known as litigation forensics, depending on who you talk to, is a specialty, decompo uh, specialty decomposing digital evidence into clear timelines and outcomes to be used for legal purposes. Uh, the modern digital forensic landscape, as it relates to business, uh, is more about instant response cloud environments these days, uh, where we used to systematically preserve every single little bit, which was very slow and expensive. We now focusing focus on distilling answers quickly and getting down to the nitty-gritty. Um, in the case of being things like this, it's dealing with cyber incidents known as incident response um, or, or active breaches, uh, balancing uh, the preservation of evidence with the speed and the cost of securing the environment. Uh, so to answer your question, a digital, a digital forensic expert, as it relates to business, understands the legal process, how to interpret digital evidence, understands enterprise IT architecture, runs complicated cyber incidents, and can implement actionable cybersecurity strategies. So it's a real team. Perfect. So Garrett, can you first help us understand, so what did Microsoft say has happened? Yeah, and let me, I'll do a high level, because Greg's the expert here. So but a high level, okay, and it's been identified that it was uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the state of Russia, Russian hackers, went in and what they did was is kind of interesting is they went in and they, they uh, uh, attacked an account that uh, Microsoft called a legacy account we'll probably get into that discussion but uh, attack an account and then uh, uh, own that account through two-factor and whatever uh, actually it wasn't two-factor uh, just password uh, um, uh, what is it uh, through password attempts was able to own the account okay now that's just fine here that's just one more account all right but this is where it gets interesting the account was being used and could be used for uh, sso via oauth into the email system and that's where it became really dangerous because then they were able to get sso into the uh email system and then compromise uh, um, uh microsoft emails and, and they went you know for the, for the gold they went for the executives in the microsoft system that's a hot and group um, i'm sorry garrett go ahead no that's that's it that, that, go for it okay and greg can you go a little more in depth on the attacks especially the compromised accounts uh, yeah, so uh, this is going to be fun because we're not just talking about accounts. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about accounts. We're going to talk about OAuth applications. We're going to talk about service principles, which aren't really accounts, and kind and we're going to be talking about multi-tenancy, where you basically have Microsoft Production, aka the I don't know fifty thousand people or whatever it work for Microsoft, and then you have test tenant, which is an engineer building something and trying something out, which is which is DevOps, which is development, which is 
progress, which you expect to have a big company like that. So let's dive in. Okay, so Midnight Blizzard, Nobelium, same people who did the 2021 solar winds attack, which was all over the news, and the SEC changed regulations, big deal. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, go back to the previous UOTest podcast that talked all about that. We've dived into this one. Um, okay, so, um, so this is a bit more than just your typical business email compromise. This is more than just a, an, a user account being compromised. This is uh, something that got major, major access without having to do a lot of lateral movement. So the compromised legacy non-production test account in the test tenant didn't have multi-factor authentication on it. Uh, it was, and it was just a normal user. There was nothing fancy. This wasn't an admin, it wasn't a global admin, anything like that. Just a regular old user, no special permissions. Um, so the test tenant was connected to the main Microsoft account via an OAuth app that was being developed. The attackers, they so-called compromised that OAuth app, but in reality, all they did is they just, um, increased permissions in the app. It was already connected. Um, and that, of course, Microsoft tenant had all the production workloads. That's my emails, one of them, but you, we all know that SharePoint and everything else, Microsoft has tons of stuff in the production workload. So. You take the OAuth app that was instantiated uh, as the service principle in the production Microsoft tenant. Um, service principle defines what the app can actually do, uh, who can access the app, what resources it can access. It's not a user per se, but it is a privileged OAuth app that can take actions, including creating users if there's enough permission. Uh, a couple of likely roles that the app was given would be equivalent to global admin, partner tier two support, privileged role admin, or um, several of Microsoft Graph application roles, such as app role, app role assignment dot read write dot all, which can do a lot of things. Uh, Microsoft Graph is the, again, uh, marketing spin from Microsoft, kind of like uh, Azure ID into Intra ID. We love the marketing people. Um, uh, Microsoft Graph is Microsoft API interface to do almost anything in the Microsoft 365 cloud. So, if you have access into the appropriate permissions in the Microsoft Graph, it's like having uh, direct access into the admin interface or anything else. So at this point, Midnight Blizzard has an app, an app and stands to get it as a service principle in the Microsoft corporate environment, not a user, but can take many actions like a user. In this case, the compromised app creates a user. So now we have a user in the production environment created by an app that's not a user. You know, so let's, let's move from there. So now they, they, have at they have access in the test tenant and the production tenant and now we're going to create some new malicious applications in the test tenant and then we're going to take the user in the production tenant and we're going to approve those malicious apps in the in the production tenant and again the, the user they created in the production tenant was actually just a regular old user but you can you can allow those users to um to allow um, uh, equivalent permissions into the production tenant so you're like, okay, well, that's just a regular user. It's not so bad yet, but the legacy application that's already been moved over uh, as a service principle in the production tenant grants additional access into those into the malicious applications in the production tenant that were just allowed by that user that was just created. So now we have malicious two malicious applications in the production tenant allowed by the user that was no big deal as of a minute ago, but now these these malicious applications are bad news. And these malicious emails, uh, these malicious, applica malicious applications in the production tenant can now read all the email boxes of all the employees, also have full control over the entire production tenant to do literally anything they want. Um, 
so again, uh, it's not all about user accounts. There's also OAuth account. There's also uh, OAuth applications. There's service principles. There's foreign service principles, which is a which is a service principle from a foreign, aka the test tenant environment, being allowed in the production environment, and he, and you need to have governance over all of that. So. Um, yeah, Midnight yeah, Blizzard is really good at right. using all those OAuth applications and everything. It, it almost sounds like what the you know hackers do is they just they look at all of our accounts and they just go which ones are they compromise and then go from there. Well, in the case of this one here, um, they were very strategic. Microsoft has a lot of security. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you've been seeing over the last year or so, especially that they've been pumping money into their security departments, um, uh, both on the consumer end and on the internal end. So in order to compromise the initial, uh, the initial account, they had to target what account do I want, what's not going to flag too carefully, what passwords are most likely. Those passwords are probably old, haven't been changed a long time. Probably the developers have been using the same password for quite a while because that's convenient. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and they don't want to spray too hard because there are systems monitoring. So you want to have lots of passwords spraying come in very slowly from lots of IP addresses, which, by the way, when they were doing those password springs, they were coming in from um, many, many residential proxies. And therefore, you can't just do like an IP block. Say, well, this IP has been pounding on this, so that must be bad. Well, you just take thousands of residential IPs and you do it from there. And that's a very easy service. You don't have to have a botnet to do that. You can just buy those residential IPs. It's, it's, it's very standard. Yeah. Okay. And Greg, what is the risk of this type of account, a service account being compromised? Uh, extremely high. Um, so service accounts have longstanding passwords. They have their passwords oftentimes saved in the application. They're shared amongst developers. They're shared amongst the DevOps architecture. Um, they're usually given in too many permissions. They're over permission um, for the convenience of the developer staff. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite high. Uh, also, the fact that uh, from the time it compromised till the time the attacks happen is very short, so that response time becomes very, very high, uh, very important. So, would you say this issue is confined to just Microsoft, or are other companies at risk for this type of attack? Uh, other companies, absolutely. Um, the, the it used to be we had on-prem, and then you you think, okay, well, I'm in the cloud, I'm in the Microsoft cloud. Well, are you really in the Microsoft cloud or are you in the multi-cloud? Are you, are you attaching to all these other clouds that are authorizing into the Microsoft cloud or the Microsoft cloud authorizing into those clouds? There's this shared identity. And so controlling identity becomes so essential to your, uh, to your security. So, um, so yeah, you're, you're probably your business is not only working in one company. Your business is working in multiple companies and you need to have visibility and governance across all of them. So it's imperative that all enterprises review these accounts on a regular basis, right? Um, absolutely. Um, not only do you need to review them, but you need to trigger on them. That speed element is so important these days. So you need to be triggering on these changes, on these high impact, important changes. Time is the is of the essence. Response time is king. Um, not reviewing is not a reasonable option. Reviewing regularly is essential. Um, and triggering on high risk is what's needed. Uh, in this case here, like a service, like a foreign service principal uh, in your uh, environments, uh, getting elevated access, like the high level graph API access, 
that should have been a trigger. That should have that they never should have had the the time to actually do the damage they did. Garrett, this is what UATS does, right? Yeah, exactly. Greg said. I mean, it, it is. I, I like the way Greg laid it up. As I call it, these guys are all over. They're all over all our accounts. They're they're looking. They're looking for a vulnerability. Looking for a weakness. And then they see what, what in, in essence, what they can get away with, right? What are we going to do? You know, the whole concept of dwell time that, you know, how long I can go undetected and then do as much damage as possible. That's why what U of Test has done for years, over 3.3 million of them, is, is help enterprises understand the, how the, the permissions that we have given to their accounts. That's through standard user access review. Then, and we'll talk about this a little more in the zero trust maturity model. What we did is said, let's take our customers up to the next level. Let's put in triggers. Triggers are what? As it is sounded. Let's monitor the permissions of key accounts and then preset, preset who has to approve. Ashley knows this. She's our customer success manager. We have some of our larger accounts. The the risk people use the wonderful product they do their access reviews they get the evidence all that kind of stuff but the security people took the product saw the triggers and turned them on to ensure that when a permission was changed in the key groups that someone in this case the security chieftain would be would be triggered would see what got changed where it got changed when it got changed and then would attest Either that's approved or it's not. And that's what is needed now in the world is we can't have accounts being their permissions change. And then, you know, three months, six months later, do the forensics, which is good, but and say, oh, now we know where the change is. A trigger tells us immediately what's going on so we can mitigate and take action. Hashif, can you do a demo and show the audience? Absolutely. That's what I was waiting for. So here we go. Thank you so much. Let me know and you can see the dashboard, please. We see your dashboard. Perfect. So uh, first of all, um, before going into uh, the demo, I'll just I would just like to show how easy it is to integrate UATest with your Entra AD. Entra ID, they call it now. But let me just go and show you the few steps that we need information for and within 10 to 15 minutes, solution will be deployed so here are you know these inf you know information keys here api key the tenant id key and the client id key that's all you need to provide us from uh the admin portal um the the admin from the, for entry id and once you save the changes it will let you pull the metadata directly from your entry id into your test and you can create audits now it, it was mentioned um, about the service accounts we can audit any accounts any groups any application any user that you have inside your entry id so let's say i want to go and create a group audit to see all the access to my old service accounts i'll just pull those accounts here for example your service accounts are part of a group or multiple groups inside Entry ID. So all I have to do is to pull those service accounts 
all of them in here. So let's say these are two service accounts I just pulled. I see those guest users in there. Um, one is the web service. That was a service account. Another one is a vendor called SoftLogic. So I can see what they have access to. I can see their roles. Um, you know, for example, if this guy should have an application developer role in, in inside um, Entra ID, but if he's enjoying these two additional roles, I should be I should be alarmed, and I should assign it to somebody like an application owner or a group owner to go and review these roles. Why is someone having these roles in addition to to an app developer role, or something like if someone has an app developer role, why is he having these privileged role administrator access inside your Entrity? So once you assign this to these group owners, you can you can uh, prevent anything bad happening to these accounts through service accounts. But then the question comes in, well, what if something changes? How do I know if I have done the audit today and something happens tomorrow with these accounts and somebody escalates the privileges. How do I know? We have these triggers here that you can, um, let me just go here, event triggers. You can put in conditions, right? When you create a trigger, for example, if you want to see if some somebody has escalated the, uh, the privileges within a group for a certain user, you can just set these, uh, let me just, create here Azure AD now these conditions group events you can say well okay let me know when a user is added to a certain group or number of groups um, and you can even define a group or uh, as, a, as a target group or leave it blank so it covers all the groups that are in your entire ID maybe you can add another condition and you can tell the system, well, okay, let me also let me know when somebody's removed from a group. And then you can also tell the system to, you know, user lifecycle events. If there's a change in a user profile, anything is upgraded, anything has changed, the role is changed, or anything like that happens, what the system needs to do, come down to the action, create a campaign and assign it to a user manager or a Azure group or an Azure user. And also you can send an email alert to that person, which would look something like this. As soon as these conditions are met, that person that you have designated will receive this, uh, this, this notification. And not only that, when it, the SIP, you know, a trigger is saved and these conditions are met, the system will create a campaign, which will appear under event audits as soon as the condition is met something has changed a group member has been added or removed you can come on here event audits and that condition will trigger this audit campaign okay this was one user that was created maybe something was changed now you have to attest to it you have to either agree or disagree with this change so if it's a malicious activity and you disagree with that you revoke the access you have stopped it from happening right there. So that's that's what the triggers do, and that's how you can you know uh, review your service accounts. Plus, you can also put conditions for future changes that, as soon as they happen, as soon as they occur, you would be the first one to know that it's something is going on, and you can stop it right there. I, I love this, Kashif, and I'm going to uh, tie it together into the zero trust model. But that what you showed is what exactly what Greg talked about. It said, hey, this is what the hackers are doing. I mean, whatever method, you know, password, spraying, et cetera, et cetera. 
they're going to get in, they're going to compromise their accounts, they're going to change their permissions. And this is a way for enterprises to get immediate feedback. Rock and roll. Yeah, you mentioned zero trust. So Greg, governance is part of the zero trust model, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, zero trust might be architect architected correctly, but you need to um, verify that that architecture is staying where you think you put it. And Garrett, automation is an important part of the zero trust maturity model. Is that correct? Absolutely. And you know what I want to do, Ashley? I'm going to throw a left turn here. I'm actually okay. going to show a uh, my screen. Now, I'm not as good as Kashif. Did I show the right screen? Yes, you did. That's about okay. your trust. You rock. So this is my favorite mountain picture. Okay. This is zero trust. And this is we had this wonderful podcast series. We, we thanks for Greg for his uh, great overview. I had a uh, CISA member, a cybersecurity infrastructure security agency um, uh, uh, a evangelist on. His name was uh, Hester, uh, Don Hester. And what he did is he walked us through this, this wonderful things. He said, Garrett, this is where the world's at. World's at traditional, where we're doing things like governance, and this is a great example and map this hack to it. We're doing things in governance traditionally. Traditionally means, yeah, someone's checking the permissions. <laughs> Bob's got that. And he runs a spreadsheet, you know, once a year or something like that. And, you know, the big, you know, question is, how's that working? Well, not too well. Okay. And and what our friends over at the CSID is, is saying is, guys, let's at least get all of our systems to the initial phase, which is what we should do is automate the process of governance and everything else, but we're going to focus on governance. Automate the process. That is, have a system in place where you say, every month, I'm checking these accounts and I've got this tool or this methodology that will automatically find the managers and send it out. That's what you attest does. But Greg being a, you know, a good cyber guy, he goes, come on guys, that's not enough. We've got to get the world up to the advanced state of zero trust. The advanced state of zero trust in the governance world says, okay, we got it. We've got these key accounts. We understand by being professionals that if they get compromised, we are in trouble. They could do some nasty, nasty stuff to us. So what we should do is force the vendors and force the, the mechanisms to give us real-time information, real-time information of the changes, okay? That's where triggers come in. That is get, get, get the event and have the right PO test. Also wanted to say, if you read it and go into it, I like what they did. They said, we should also be leveraging modern technology for intelligence. Guys, what does intelligence mean in uh, uh, CISA speak? Basically it means AI. It means that we should have scores that help us understand the trust of our concert we got, okay? And we're all proud here at UTS to have in our AI models built that have this. Just FY, and uh, you vendors out there, the optimal state is where we all want to go. And that's when this score is passed on into the enforcement point so you get immediate reaction. And that's why we all have to work together. But to have that discussion, we'd be more than happy to have breakout sessions with anyone out there and go into our triggers 
and go into the AI models and how we can help your organization. But I'll leave it as that for right now. Perfect. So we have a question for you, Greg, from the audience. So with NIST recommending less frequent password rotation, how do you stay on top of compromised credentials to force password change? Well, NIST, NIST primarily did that for users. Uh, so, and they are, and they're also, um, as part of that same recommendation, they're asking for MFA. So you need, so you don't necessarily need to have new, um, new passwords, but you need to have, uh, governance over your, your users. So that would be where they're logging in from, how often they're logging in from what sort of credential, what sort of workstations, as Garrett was saying, the whole AI piece where you're kind of seeing, is this, uh, is this normal? Is this expected? in addition to literally, uh, did you type in the right username and password? Um, but then also having the strong uh, multi-factor along with it. So users, that's one thing. Uh, for the point of this particular um, discussion today, we're talking service accounts, those passwords can be very long lived. And really the answer to that is moving away from passwords, having APIs that are stored in um, secure secrets, that'd be HashiCorp Vault, AWS Secret Manager, or many of the other solutions where you're no longer keeping your secrets in a place where it can be uh, where it can be disclosed, and also there's strong there's strong auditing on every time that password is used and from where and being able to lock down. If you've ever secured an Amazon S3 bucket, you can say where is it coming from. What are the what are the rules of attaching that? Your um, your IAM policy is attached to the user, is attached to the uh, to the to the application, and um, and a whole bunch of other restrictions. So. Um, so basically changing passwords all the time isn't the, isn't the answer, but getting away from passwords and managing identity rather than thinking of identity as passwords is really the key, which is understanding that road to, um, zero trust that Garrett was talking about. It's, uh, it's really just thinking about the, uh, the modern landscape is different than the 2005 era landscape, which is, uh, which is what CISA was, uh, kind of, um, uh, talking about there, which is where most enter enterprise is still. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I think we can wrap up here. Um, okay. So, Greg, can you tell the audience how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. Uh, ExhibitACyber.com. Uh, give us a give us a visit. Um, give us a call. Give us an email. Uh, Greg at ExhibitACyber.com, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you about uh, any of your security needs. Thank you. Perfect. And then us over at UATest, you can contact us at info at and we'll execute on your identity governance for anti-ransomware and compliance needs. Thank you, Greg, so much for being here. And thank you to all of our audience members. We really appreciate you coming. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. Yes. Good job. Thank Thanks. you. Have a great day, everyone. Have a good day. Thank you. Tim.